0: Thank you for tuning in to Conroe United Pentecostal Church today. We pray that this podcast is a blessing to you. If there is ever anything we can do for you, please email admin at Conroeupc.org. Thank the Lord. You may be seated tonight. I'm so thankful for the goodness of the Lord. Amen. And I've come, I've come tonight to to see something good happen here in the next few moments. Amen. Amen. I appreciate, um, appreciate our young people being up front. And I th- believe in this group is going to grow. Amen. Amen. I-, I want the Lord to be in control of my future. Amen. Amen. So I want to I go tonight and spend just a few moments talking about that. He was born May 6th, 1990, small community in Venezuela. He became the shortest active player in big league baseball. His official height is 5'6". Actually, Pastor Pastor Altuve, Brother Altuve, some of you have, have put him up to be a Bishop Altuve, is really 5'5", but he managed to stretch an inch for his official measurement. He's the smallest big guy in baseball right now. He tried out, he tried out at a camp at the age of 16. He wanted to become a pro baseball player. But for two reasons. First off, they said he was so little he couldn't be 16 years of age. He didn't look to be 16. So the next day, he came back. He brought his birth certificate with him, and no one would talk to him except one scout out in the parking lot. He got him cornered and showed him the birth certificate, and the guy said, I'll give you one chance. And that one chance was all that Jose Altuve needed. The next day, they offered him a contract. As a matter of fact, he turned 17 the next week, and there he was with his first contract for $15,000 per year. And three years ago, the, the Astros to the World Series, and last night, any of you that were carnal, you all were on your prayer couches. <laughs> you were seeking after things that were greater than you were. You were anxious for things that would take you to higher levels and greater dimensions. And you witnessed Pastor Altuve enter into the state of being a saint. Uh, last night, last night you saw something incredible. Uh, Jose Altuve has a, an invention that he offered to the game that no one before or since has done this or even endeavored to do it. But the guy is so little. He's so small that his strike zone on Jose is around most of our knees to our waist. But he's so short that, that uh, you know, his strike zone is pretty low for us. But a lot of those balls go by him and anything that's low, he hits. And so he invented what he calls the jump swing, where literally when he sees the ball is high. He jumps up in the air, and while he's about 12 inches off the ground, he swings the bat. And therein is some of the greatness that we see in this man. Last night, last night, his church lost their lead and they fell behind. They fell even. In the bottom of the ninth, with two outs and a man on base, Pastor Altuve hit a home run that lifted the Astros again to the World Series. And I thought that it would only be fitting tonight because some of you were so carnal that I had to relate to you on some level that uh, that, uh, I knew that I could relate to you tonight in this way. But this little guy, this little guy never allowed his circumstances to define him. He never let being the littlest guy that played the game, bother him. He never let where he came from bother him. He never let all the no's that he was told bother him. He never let the circumstances, the realities that he lived in, he never let those things define him. Rather, he absolutely, absolutely has come from nothing to MVP status in just a short time. Adam and Eve lived in a garden that was perfect. It was perfectly designed by God. I can say this with all carefulness. Town flowers couldn't at all do anything like was found in the Garden of Eden. This couple created and designed and formed by God. Not just with a normal creative process. But he literally shaped them from the dust of the earth. He made Adam out of dirt, then he turned and made Eve out of a rib from Adam's side. They lived in a perfect place. They lived in a perfect time. They lived in a perfect environment. They, they lived with a perfect assignment and a perfect job. Their paychecks were perfect. They they had everything designed for them to be absolutely perfect. Uh, they they had a perfect marriage. Uh, he couldn't compare his wife, and she couldn't compare her husband to any other wife or any other husband because there were no other wives and no other husbands. You didn't have to worry about a divorce in their family for, number one, where would you go? Number two, there were no courts. They were all that there was, living in a utopian moment in a perfect arrangement by a perfect God with perfect circumstances because in their moment they had no house payments. They had no rent payments. They had no financial responsibilities. They didn't have to worry about utility payments or disconnect payments. Their insurance payments didn't exist because they didn't have to worry about such things. Their clothes never got old. Their clothes never went out of fashion. As a matter of fact, you're still wearing the same fashion that they wore in their time because in their their lifetime, their early years, they... They didn't wear clothes at all, but because of their innocence and of your purity, their clothes wouldn't wear out because they didn't wear them and they didn't have to worry about some things. At that point, they didn't have to worry about kids and school and car rider lines and school lunches and clothes and shoes being too short and too small and kids outgrowing those things because at that point, they didn't have those pressures of life. As a matter of fact they didn't have to worry about bosses or saying yes to anyone because dominion had been given to Adam and to Eve. They were the boss. They didn't have to listen to another man or another woman. They didn't have to punch a clock or or show up at a specific time. They were given dominion over everything that was in the Garden of Eden. It was in this motif, this environment of perfect dominion and freedom that one day there rose up in that garden a serpent uh, that began to speak in this perfectly, perfectly divine atmosphere. uh, They began to listen to the words of a snake uh, that would begin to seduce them and cause them to be drawn away from their first love and from things that they should be paying close uh, attention to. The serpent that day would say things like this, oh, didn't God say to you that you could eat out of every tree of the garden? And she would respond, oh, we can eat from any tree from the garden except from the tree that's in the midst of the garden. God said, don't eat from that tree. He said, don't even touch that tree or you will Die. The serpent began to do what the devil always does as he began to speak uh, in a sense uh, of trying to be a distraction and trying to pull her. And them away from the divine purpose and destiny that God had placed in their life. He begins saying things like, don't you know that God's trying to be mean to you? And he's trying to withhold things from you. He's saying, uh, don't you understand that if you eat from that tree you will not die you know what's going to happen if you eat from that tree and that is uh, if you eat from that tree then your eyes will be open and you will see and know everything like God does Uh, that implication that he was sharing with them simply was uh, that that God doesn't want you to be like him Uh, but there was uh, there was that Something that was innately designed in the flesh of this almost perfect creation called man and woman. This perfect creation that God had created in His own image. He created you and me to look like Him, to pertain unto Him. But He did not want you and I to know what He already knew because He knows everything and He already understood that there was good and He also understood that there was evil. And the devil... Through the form of the serpent, that time he began to speak into their life, and he began to listen. They began to listen to the voice of that serpent that would draw them away from the purpose and plan, the destiny that God had for them. I would pause tonight and say, What voices are you listening to? What voices are you entertaining? Are there voices that are saying you don't have to live for God that way? are there voices that say you don't have to go to church that way are there voices that say that the new birth is not necessary that baptism in Jesus name and repentance are not necessary I rise up tonight and say don't listen to those voices because those voices will draw you away from the perfect plan that God has for your life he has destined you for goodness and for greatness he has planned for you and whatever happens don't listen to a voice that says you don't have to do some things you don't have to act some ways you don't have to follow after God you don't have to live for him in that manner but I say tonight devil hush up I don't want to hear your voice I don't need to hear your voice God has provided a future and a destiny for each of us and we will listen to the voice of God and we will listen to the commandments of God and we will read and hear the word of God we don't need your voice there needs to be something that would rise up in every one of us just like rose up in Jesus in those days when he fasted those 40 days and was in the wilderness and that same deceptive voice that same voice from hell came to him and began to tempt him and tell him things like Oh just make bread from a rock Oh just go to the te- to the top of the temple To the pinnacle of the temple And worship me You see that same voice spoke to him As speaks to you But something needs to rise up in you Like it rose up in him That says hush up devil Get behind me Satan I'm not listening to this mess I'm not tolerating this garbage You get behind me The word Declare some things in my life Hear me tonight young people Determine in your heart I'm going to live for God And I'm not going to go some places And I'm not going to do some things Hallelujah, hallelujah Might I just pause tonight And maybe leave Maybe leave the smoothness of Of a designed outline And just talk from my heart For just a moment And let me declare out loud And clearly Don't you dare listen to a voice that says living for God and living in righteousness and living in moral purity is not necessary when I was praying tonight I prayed over our church I prayed over our young people I prayed over every person and I was saying Lord let there be in this house a spirit of moral purity let there be in this house a spirit of righteousness a spirit of virtue let it abide in this house society society tells us today that's not necessary but the word of God declares that it is and so tonight I say we live for God we live with purity we live with righteousness we live with holiness we live in separation we live We live with virtue in our lives can you clap your hands to the Lord amen 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 And so there was was rising in that perfect environment, in that perfect garden... To those two almost completely perfect first humans that there were was this, uh, was this voice uh, and this temptation that looked at her and when it spoke, she listened. And as she listened, she was drawn and tempted. And when she was drawn and tempted, she began to reach. And as she began to reach uh, for the first time, she touched uh, something she was never supposed to touch. And after touching it and taking it in her hand, she then tasted of that which God had clearly said you were not to do. In that moment, in that moment when virtue would flow from her, in that moment when purity would rush from the garden, in that moment that would unfold right there that we can remember and we see a snapshot of. There were three themes that rushed into the world that had never been there before. The lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. In an instant, when she touched, when she took, and when she tasted, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life flowed there into that garden. And I remind you tonight, every sin that's alive in this world is rooted in one of these three things in the lust of the eye or the lust of the flesh or in the pride of life these things rushed into the garden that day and that day she allowed a snake she allowed a serpent to define her destiny to define her future to tell her in that garden that 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 what it had planned for her was different than what God had planned for her and her actions her actions though she operated being deceived her perfect circumstance and her perfect situation was changed and from that moment we learn that childbearing would become painful for her we learn from that moment forward that they would have to wear clothing and cover themselves in modesty and purity and God's definition of what dominion was they were in control they were on top of the world you could be no more successful than they were at that point in their time but suddenly the dominion and the authority that had been given to him of walking with God daily it was taken from their hands and they were forced to hear me tonight I ask you this Evening, who do you allow to define your future? Who do you allow to who do you allow to define your acts? Who is making plans for your weekend for you? Uh, who is making plans for your vacation? I say tonight, uh, if there's someone in your life, if there's voices that you hear, if you're in relationship with someone that's making plans for your life, uh, making plans for your future that are not godly, you need to run from that relationship. You need to run from that friendship. If you have friendships and you hear voices and they're not saying things lifting up the name of God, if they're not edifying you, if they're not drawing you close to God, then I say uh, that I say then you rush to the altar and run from that thing. You say, oh pastor my wife's difficult and doesn't want to come to church with me. In those instances uh, when you're in committed relationships, uh, you do do what you've got to do and you pray you get yourself to the presence of God and you say God I'm going to live for you I might live in hell but I will live for you I might walk through difficult moments but I will be as faithful as I possibly can and I will not let the voices drag me down when my faith is being weak I'm going to pray God and you're going to lift up my faith when I'm discouraged God I'm going to come to you and I'm going to seek your face and a spirit of encouragement's going to come on me when I don't know which way to turn God I'm going to lift my eyes to the hills from which cometh my help for I know my help comes from you oh Lord I'm looking up you are the author and the finisher of my faith and I may live in a difficult situation but God you're going to help me you're going to guide me through this thing hallelujah hallelujah so tonight if you face a challenge from day to day if you feel like uh, you're locked and living in in one of the anterooms of hell I say look up uh, have faith Uh, I believe God can fill anybody with the baptism of the Holy Ghost Uh, I believe God can touch uh, and transform Uh, that old song I know I mention it uh, every few months Uh, something got a hold of me something got a hold of me that night I went there to fight uh, but oh my that night Tonight, God's power got a hold of me there are spirits uh, that want to fight truth and fight righteousness uh, but you keep praying the Holy Ghost is going to get a hold of them you keep seeking God and let the Lord work on the circumstance and situation amen 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 and so, and so tonight uh, I ask you who 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 allow, who do you allow to define the destiny and the future and the things that you going to ha- you're going to be involved in over the next few days. So let me put it this way, who's who's making plans in your marriage? Who's who's making plans with your morality and with your virtue? Who is making plans with your integrity? Who is making plans with your stewardship and with your salvation? I say tonight uh, where these things are concerned. The one the voice that's speaking into your life, into your virtue into your marriage, into your morality it needs to be the word of God and it needs to be a man of God in your life that's speaking I say, uh, I say this tonight, Uh, I say it with humility but the most important person in your life uh, when it comes to living for God is the man of God in your life. Uh, I would cling to that man. Uh, I would be faithful I would take the word of God I would listen to the preach word of God I would pray about what is said I would seek what is said and I would allow the word of God to have its way in my life but whatever happens if there's voices that are saying what the preacher says is right is not right somehow you get aside and you pray you get out of that clamor and say God I'm going to listen to your voice and I'm going to be drawn back by you, God. And whatever this circumstance is, Lord, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are the one that's controlling me. And you are the one that's going to lead me. Who do you allow? Who are you allowing to speak into your future and defining your destiny? In Judges uh, chapter 6, we find the life of Gideon. We find the passage of Scripture that I find absolutely exciting and intriguing. And I want to read about five or six verses to you really, really quickly. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak tree that was in Orphra and per, that pertained unto Joash and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And then you begin to see God speaking into Gideon's life. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto Gideon and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man. And And then in the next verse, you hear the words that Satan has been telling that man. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why is all of this befallen us? And where are all of his miracles, which our father told us of, saying, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us in the hands of the Midianites. And God wasn't quiet. He answered back with more plans for his life. He looked at him and the Lord looked upon him and said, go in this thy might that thou might save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent thee? And the devil continued to whisper and speak in his ear in verse 15. And he said unto him, this is Gideon speaking, O oh my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, Uh, My family is poor in Manasseh uh, and I am the least uh, of my father's house. Uh, We could continue in this conversation and we would would come finally to the point where Gideon does lead the armies uh, of the children of Israel into an incredible victory. But you saw the dialogue. God's got a plan and Satan's speaking, trying to bring discouragement. Uh, God's bringing definition for his future. God's telling him what's going to happen and the direction your life's going to go and the devil saying no it's not Uh, God's forsaken you, you're all by yourself, Uh, you're from the poorest house of Manasseh, you don't have any future, your daddy's not a preacher, you're not a preacher, you can't make it, Uh, you don't have any spiritual pedigree to bring you to this place of future but I say tonight uh, who is going to define your destiny and your future do you listen to the voice uh, of the devil or do you listen to the voice of God I ask it this way. Whose report do you believe? The echo of that song is, we shall believe the report of the Lord. Whose report do you believe? We echo back. We shall believe the report of the Lord. Hear me tonight. Hell wants to tell you it's not worth it, but the devil's a liar. Hear me tonight. The devil is a liar he's got plans for you he's got plans for your children he's got plans for your teenagers he's got plans for your future and understand this tonight that I as a pastor and as a man I am not going to allow those voices to define my life and I pray to you tonight don't let those voices of temptation draw you away from the house of God draw you away from the presence of God draw you away from the the goodness of God. Instead say, God, I will be faithful. I will follow after you. I will walk with you. I will not run from you, God. I will run towards you, Master. And with that, uh, with that, I can only rejoice knowing God knows and hears us uh, when we make that determination in our spirit. Uh, you know his name is David. He faced uh, that fellow Goliath at that, that time in his life. Uh, but David refused to allow Goliath to have a part of deciding who would, who would command and control his future? Goliath demanded a man to fight, but God raised up a boy and sent a boy. Goliath screamed for man, he intimidated for man. And Israel had seemed to accept a, that a, de, a definition of what this circumstance and what these details were going to be. Saul, the king of Israel, had accepted the terms from Goliath, Israel had accepted the terms. Of the fight. Saul had accepted the defiant spirit of a filthy. philistine giant it seemed like everyone had surrendered and the battle was lost before it began but God had a boy that was ready to go and God called him from a a wilderness place called him from a meadow and brought him to the valley and while Goliath would demand the man God would present him with a boy you see God is not going to operate with the way the devil demands the fight be fought uh, you know, you may, you heard it this way. Don't bring a gun, don't bring a knife to a gunfight. Some of you have heard that, uh, heard that expression before. And Goliath was the man to the man. And God says, uh, I'm going to send you something better than that. Uh, I'm going to send you a teenager. How is a teenager better than a man? How is a teenager stronger than a warrior? I say today, when that teenager has been alone with God, and when that teenager has been singing praise to God and when that teenager has been walking with God by himself uh, and the anointing and the glory and the experience uh, that David had with with, with Jehovah God when God sent that boy Goliath perceived it to be a boy but it was not a boy he was a warrior I say tonight uh, our young people can be the greatest uh, warriors in this church Uh, hear me do not be intimidated young people do not be intimidated young people God is raising up some people don't be surprised don't be surprised at what's going to happen in some people's lives don't be one of those when God begins to lift up someone else and use them don't you be like David's brothers who feel that pang of jealousy and that pang of resentment when David used God's going to raise up some young folks, some young adults and going to use them around this place, don't be caught up in grief or don't be caught up in jealousy when God begins to use them instead be like they are make yourself available follow after God say God if you can use him you can use me God you're going to use him I'm going to insist God I'm going to pray and fast and and get close to you and you're going to use me in the same way that's the way that I want it to be and if you're going to need a man next time God I'm going to be available for you to call me to to that battle. I say tonight, uh, you need to rise up and be available to the things of God. Rise up and be available to the call of God. Rise up and be available to the moment of God. When God gets ready to use somebody, hear me tonight. When God gets ready to use somebody, He's going to look for somebody that's there. He can't use you if you're not there. He can't elevate you if you're not there. He, He can't Use you and put pull you pull you to where he's planning on you going. If you're not showing up and being on site when the time for the battle is coming, so hear me tonight. Be available. Be faithful. Be available. Be faithful, young people. Be available, young adults. Be available, grandma and grandpa. Be available. I'll be straight with you tonight. Some of our kids are too immature to be used, and some of our seniors are too mature to be used. Because what happens, some are coming on and they're not quite ready. But some of our elders have decided that I'm retired and I can't do anything for God. I rebuke that. We need you elders. We need your voice. We need your influence. We need your faithfulness. We need what you bring to the table. We need it. We need it. And so don't let the devil tell you I'm useless. And the and Lord, I'm just been put out the pasture. Don't let the devil sell you that bill of goods. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. And I want you to hear me quiet. We need you. We need your voice. We need your influence. We need what you bring to the table. Saul tried to put his armor on David. David said, "I can't wear this thing. I can't be defined by you, David. I can't. I can't be defined by you, Saul." He says, uh, "I can't allow man's definition or a king's definition to bring me to the place where I'm going to be qualified to meet the devil. I've got to be. I've got to be ready and be used and qualified by God." David said, "I can take care of this. God's got me ready." And he began to talk about things like that uncircumcised Philistine. He said, "This man is not in covenant with." God. God but I am this man is not think about this here's a kid facing a giant but he was in covenant with God and when he realized he was in covenant with God he wasn't nearly as big he wasn't nearly as bad but there is one thing about power that comes in your life when you're in covenant with Jesus Christ there's divine protection and there's divine anointing when you're in a covenant of prayer with him you can walk with a faith and a confidence when you are in a covenant of tithing with your finances, you can trust that He's going to take care of everything. When you're in covenant with God, when you're walking in covenant with Him, then you understand and know that I am in covenant with Almighty God. No giant, no uncircumcised, no out of covenant man or woman, no out of covenant voice is going to come against and destroy this. I say tonight, get in covenant with Jesus Christ. Get some Committed to God. Be faithful to God. Be faithful to the things of God. Walk in Him in covenant. Walk in Him in faithfulness. Walk in Him in righteousness. And let God prove Himself in your life. When you're in covenant with Jesus Christ, that's when you absolutely realize. You realize that, that, that now I'm operating in a different, I'm different, a different way. You see, the giant. Looked at David with sword and spear. And David addressed that. You come at me with a sword and a spear and a shield. But I come to you with the name of my covenant. I come to you with the power that comes out of my covenant. I don't need a sword when I've got a covenant. I don't need a shield when I've got a covenant. I don't need a weapon when I've got a covenant. For the weapons of my warfare are not the same weapons that the enemy uses. He'll bring those different things at you. But the weapons that you have when you're in covenant with Jesus. Jesus. Jesus Christ, your weapons are different. Your weapons are strong. Your weapons are powerful. Your weapons pull down strongholds. The devil's weapons try to cut off a head. But your weapons can pull down a kingdom. The devil wants to destroy you and discourage you. But hear me tonight. The weapons that you fight with. When you pray. When you seek the Lord. When you walk in the Holy Ghost. When you walk in faith. You're walking with a different weapon. Because you're walking in covenant with the Lord Jesus. Christ and you've got something else defining your destiny at that point and when you realize God's in control of this thing so no matter what you say devil God's in control you can lie to me you can discourage me you can come against me with anything you want but I'm in covenant with the Lord it's in these moments that we, we realize absolutely absolutely that I refuse to let my life be Defined by anything but being faithful to the things of God. Amen. Uh, young people. Parents, you want your kids to be faithful to God. You know how they're going to be faithful to God? You're faithful. You want your kids to go further than you go in life. So you've got to take them as far as you can go. What do you mean? Well... You get them to college. You pay as many of those bills as you can. You take them as far as you can go. And then you push them out. Because you know, that's the process of getting my kids to go as far as they can go. But how come it is that so many times uh, when it comes to living for God, it's the parents that keep the kids from being able to completely sell out to God. Amen. I am so thankful. I am so thankful. There was no negotiation when we were growing up whether we were going to go to a youth service or whether we were going to go to a Wednesday night service. There was no negotiation. There was nothing to discuss. Uh, we weren't even going to take our school books there. We weren't allowed. We were going to be on the, when I was 10, 11 years old, dad put me to leave in service. And so I was I'm an 11-year-old song leader. It really, really like I could really be a spiritual, anointed song leader. But there I was up there with one of those old red back song books uh, singing, uh, uh, he set me free free and and I felt like a prisoner and and we were singing all these songs but dad drove it deep in my heart Uh, there is a non-negotiable for the things of God it's a non-negotiable for the things of God amen 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 Hey Amen. One time I decided I'd probably have told this. Uh, one time I decided I was going to steal. I was challenged to steal. I was caught stealing. The only thing I ever stole was a candy bar. I didn't get out of the store before I was caught. The guy brought me and my mama came and picked me up. She took me to the church and said, I'll leave you here till your daddy gets back. I didn't know he was out of town. He wasn't coming back to midnight that night. I was at school. I was at the church from, mid, from, from noon till midnight. Uh, I prayed. I repented. I asked God. That's how they dealt they didn't make excuses for me mom and daddy don't make excuses don't worry about hurting your kids feelings don't worry about offending them you're a parent you are not their friend don't worry about offending them but you show them we're going to be faithful to god we're going to walk in righteousness we're going to walk in holiness we're going to walk in godliness and we're going to show you how to do it hallelujah hallelujah Amen, amen. I don't mean just to beat up the mamas of the teenagers tonight, but I'm telling you, there's something that's going on in our lives when we realize, when we realize that we are not going to be defined by the cares of the day and the voices that are common today, but instead, we're going to walk in faith, and we're going to walk in determination, and we're going to walk in holiness, and we're going to walk in separation, and we're going to walk in the blessings of God, and when we realize we can walk with those things, we are walking and in covenant with Jesus Christ. And so when Satan comes against me, I am in covenant. I can look at you and say, get out of here, devil. I'm in relationship and I'm in covenant with Jesus Christ. I'm teaching my kids to have a covenant with Jesus Christ. My grandkids are going to know that their mom and daddies had a covenant. Their grandma and grandpa had a covenant and they're living for God and it's a covenant that's going to define us. It's the relationship with God that's going to define us, not some voice that's gonna it's gonna whine and not some voice that's gonna compromise but it's a voice that says clearly you are in relationship with the Lord therefore you walk in boldness you walk in godliness you walk in purity you walk in righteousness you live in godliness you live above this world you are not you are in this world but you are not of this world this world is not your home this world is not going to define who you are but instead as young people as parents as married families we're going to be defined by our walk with God and our covenant with Jesus Christ you ought to clap your hands you ought to lift your voice your children ought to hear you say that's right pastor That's right, Pastor. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. I want to be in covenant with Jesus. I want to be in such covenant with him that when these little grandbabies that I got coming on, they know that what we do when we have problems is we pray. Amen. That's what they need to know, that we solve our problems through a spiritual process, not with how we can run around and solve them ourselves. There is a way to face the attacks from hell in your life, and that is to be firm, in, firmly ensconced in my covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. Lord, I was buried in your name. I was baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm living a life, God. I'm endeavoring to live a life, God, that that shows that I'm holy. And I'm endeavoring to be separate from this world, God. And so now I'm walking in covenant with you. And now I walk in that covenant, God. I can rest assured you are going to provide a way of escape in this moment. You don't have to create your own way of escape, church. He'll provide the way of escape. He'll never put more upon you than you can bear. But with that temptation, he will provide an outlet for you to escape if you need to. Because I'm in covenant with him. And I realize when I'm covenant with him, my kids know I'm going to be faithful. My family knows I'm going to be faithful. When I'm in covenant with him, it was something about being in covenant with him that when it's... uh, John was in covenant with Jesus when he was thrown on the Isle of Patmos that day. And the Bible says it was the Lord's day. And here he was out on an island. There was no church. There was no place to attend church. He was isolated. He was, he thought maybe God forsaken. But the Bible says it was the Lord's day. But I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. When you're in covenant with Jesus Christ, there's something inside of you that draws you to the house of God and draws you to the presence of God and just makes you feel like you've got to be there when church time comes around amen amen some time ago we were with family members on a Sunday night we were traveling after a conference and these people are Catholic and that man that man told me I'm going to be gone for a couple hours I'm going to go to church he was a Catholic man I said can I go with you He's shocked. When I got there, I was shocked. But I went. And while they were doing what they were doing, I was doing what i do. And while they were going through the things that they do with their customs and the way they do and the way that they worship and the way that they all the things that they do, I sit there and I was praying and I was worshiping God. And in the midst of all of that that was going on, I felt the power and the presence of my saving Redeemer. And I know because I'm in covenant with Him, wherever I'm at, I can call on Him. Whatever is going on, whatever the atmosphere, I am in covenant with Him. He is as close to me as the mention of his name. He will hear me if I'm in a strange place. He will recognize my voice and he will come to me because I am in covenant relationship with him. If you'll stand with me tonight, if there's anything I could do, if anything I could force you to do, I would try to force you to make sure that you're walking in covenant with Jesus Christ. Because when you're in covenant with him, your feet don't go some places. When you're in covenant with him, your eyes and your mouth don't go some places. When you're in covenant with him, your brain and mind doesn't think some places, think some things. But when you're in covenant with him, When you're in covenant with him, everything that you see and do is going to be filtered through the eyes of what Jesus would have me do and see in this moment. So all across this room, I'm asking you to close your eyes with me. And I'm asking you right now to start talking to the Lord and say, Master, I want to be in covenant relationship with you. Because I want you to define every step of my life. Come on, pray with me from the front to the back. Lord, we want to be in covenant relationship with you tonight. Lord, guide our feet to walk only in places that would please you. Guide our hands to only touch things, God, that would please you. Guide our spirits, God, from only taking in things that would please you, God. Guard us, O God, and guide us. Guard us from voices of compromise. Guard us from voices of nonchalance. Guard us from those things, Lord, and guide us. Guide us, God, into that covenant relationship to where whenever we face something, we don't face it alone. Can you lift your voices from the front to the back? Pray that prayer out loud. Young people, I want you to pray it with me too. Guide my feet. Guide my heart. Guide my spirit, Lord. Keep me. Guide me, O Lord. Guide me, O Lord. Keep me, O Lord. Let there rise up in men and women of this church a desire to walk in the covenant of Jesus Christ. Oh, anybody want to gather around the front with me now? Just continue to pray as you come. I invite everybody that would to come join us around the front and keep this prayer going. Lord, we're going to be in a covenant with you. You're going to be the one who brings definition to our lives. You're going to be the one that provides direction in our lives. You're going to be the one that speaks into our lives, Lord. It's going to be you, Lord. It's going to be you, Lord. your way with us lord let us walk in covenant with you jesus let us walk in covenant with you oh lord in the name of jesus in the name of jesus hallelujah hallelujah your will in my life oh lord your will in my life oh lord hallelujah hallelujah